Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a book discussion podcast produced by the Mercantile Library in Cincinnati, Ohio. The Mercantile Library is the literary center of Cincinnati, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss books and literature. For more information, visit mercantilelibrary.com. A quick note before we start, this podcast contains numerous spoilers, so you may want to read the book before you listen. Today we'll discuss The Whites by Richard Price, writing as Harry Brandt. Richard Price already had a pretty big criminal name as the author of Clockers, Freedom Land, and Lush Life. He's opened up a second line under the name Harry Brandt. The Whites is Harry Brandt's first effort. It's even more police-driven than the previous books. The Whites are the great white whales that got away from a group of smart young detectives who, except for the main character, Billy Graves, have all moved on to different work and new jobs. Now the Whites, creeps whose crimes were particularly vile, but of which they nev were never convicted, are starting to die. And Billy is trying to clear it all up. Joining us today on the 12th story is Albert Pyle, retiring this month as Mercantile Executive Director. Hello. Former prosecutor, reading machine, and Mercantile Library me member, Mike O'Neill. Hello. And myself, Gabby Blocher, a director of the Mercantile Library. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, Mike, I'd love to hear from you about your general thoughts about the book. Uh, well, initially, I, I really enjoyed the book. This is the first time I've ever read anything by this author. Um, Albert was just telling me uh, about some of the other books I should go back and read. Um, but um, I guess the first thing uh, that I took away, and I thought actually the most fascinating character in the entire book, uh, was Milton. Um, in that uh, he could be, in a sense, such a, a sad and sympathetic character when you're thinking about his relationship to his daughter. And he had this, this daughter who was awkward and overweight and was picked on in her school. And I thought those passages were perfect. And at the same time, um, and I, I'm stealing this from a review that I read, but I, I thought of it as I was reading it, and I don't, I don't think this is an accident from the author. Um, I did think of that book with, um, and really more the movie, uh, No Country for Old Men, with uh, The Killing Machine you know, who's almost modeled after the Terminator, who was the, uh, the antagonist mm -hmm. in uh, No Country for Old Men, who was trying to, you know, track down, I think Llewellyn was the guy's name, yeah. mm -hmm. and how he was unstoppable. And you had this guy who was almost like this unstoppable, like great white shark of a, of a killing machine, you know, horribly, you know, stalking this family, and they kept going back to his backstory and all these horrible things he'd done with a baseball bat, and, you know, the opening scene where he steps on the guy's neck with his flashlight, and mm. you know he this 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 horrible horrible person who misuses his position and everything else and you know frankly they they keep saying is is not a smart guy not a motivated guy a horrible detective and at the same time you see uh, the flip side uh, that he truly does you know have this strong love for his daughter the only family he has left and how he you know frankly does a probably relatively poor job in terms of handling that and handling his daughter um, uh, you know but at this you know and they and they kind of juxtapose those two, in a sense, well it's one character, but it's two sides. I think he does a, an amazing job with that. And it's not something you normally see in a book like this. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like there's something changed for you at the end of the book. You weren't, it's, I think you were saying you liked it to start out, but then maybe you're sort of 
Is that true? Oh, no. I, I think um, I was impressed with how they kept developing uh, Milton throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's weird to say, but I, I really felt bad for the guy when he got taken by the uh, Guatemalan nanny, mm-hmm. you know, three quarters oh of the way gosh. through. I didn't see that coming. We, like, when she took yeah. the money, I was like, that's weird that she's been so crazy about the mom and stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody else saw that coming. I didn't see that coming. And then I was like, man, like this poor guy. Yeah. Like he really does look like a stooge. Yeah. And then he goes out and, you know, like takes a baseball bat to, uh, in the next scene, he takes a baseball bat to uh, the wife's Vic- uh, Victor. brother. Yeah, Victor. Yeah, Victor. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, I, I was, I, to, to try to moderate this discussion, I looked up, I tried to look up some discussion questions, and I found a generic list of crime novel mm. questions, and they're much too simple for Richard Price slash Harry yeah. Brown. Like, uh, they're, they're kind of just simplistic. And one of the questions was, you know, what did you think about the good characters? What did you think about the bad characters? And I was like, well, it's a sign of an amazing, I think, mm-hmm. novel slash writing that there, there are all the good characters had totally clear, awful aspects of their character mm-hmm. and vice versa too. Milton was definitely the, yeah, he was the worst criminal, the worst, the most clear bad guy, but also the most sympathetic. Mm-hmm. He drew, got the most sympathy for me, I think, throughout the whole thing yeah. of everybody besides the son. I, fi- I finished the book today and um, John Jr., the, the last scene, the last, isn't John Jr. Pav- Pavlicek's son with yes. leukemia? Yeah. I mean, heartbreaking, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. heartbreaking. So uh, general thoughts, Albert, from you about the book? Well, I, I am a sucker for um, something like this. I mean, is it, number one, it was, it was, I, I was, we have our handy pasted, our policy here at the library is to paste in the end flap. Uh, uh, which I always read first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I had read Richard Price, uh, not all of it, but I had read him enough to know that he was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I started reading this, I, mean, I, also, I, I had to say, I thought it was odd that he, uh, the, the book says r- by Richard Price writing as Harry Brand. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you have to go for a, mm-hmm. another na- a name? But he's, he, that's how he's doing it. Uh, and I just, uh, I just got sucked in early and uh, deep, I, I thought it, w- I mean, I loved the um, complexity, the mm-hmm. huge cast of characters, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the, um, I, I thought it was uh, very good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'm, I, I am an easy victim for a crime novel, I am. I, which, uh, this one, I, I didn't, th- again, I don't, th- I didn't think it disappointed at any point. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Loved all the mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, 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 for this, it would probably be helpful if, I mean, if we had a review of who all's in it because there's it's a huge cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And not very many pages, and uh, uh, which was pretty tricky. Yeah. So Albert, that's a great idea. I think to kind of cover some of the some of the groups of people. I don't know if we'll get through all the characters, and it, fr- frankly, we might bore our listeners by listing absolutely every single person. But the main character, I think. And the omniscient sort of uh, first-person-ish character is Bill, is Billy. I can't remember his Billy Graves. Graves, Graves yeah. yes. And his wife, and he's married to Carmen, and he has two little boys, Carlos and Declan, close in age. But he's um, of, of a crew of uh, of cops who w- w- they were called the, the wild, 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 wild geese. geese. Wild geese. And they went by WGs. And yes. 20 years ago, yeah, WGs. And 20 years ago, they had all become like family. And so there's a lot in the book, in fact, about the relationship amongst those that group of people. And 
I can recall Jimmy Whelan, Yasmin, the one female from the group, Pavlicek, um, Redman, and Billy. Is that it? There's one who maybe. Which one had the funeral home? Is it? Redman. Redman. Oh. Yeah, with his son wheeling around at this little bit, little town. Oh yeah, that was as gr- I mean, it was probably the most grotesque mm-hmm. stuff in the book. Oh was yeah. When, yeah, uh, this cop had become a funeral director yeah. in, in in a low rent part of town, right? And um, there are grisly back backroom scenes in yeah. the uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, well, to to cover kind of who the characters are, I say we, well, there's the wild geese. There are their whites. So those are, those are some buckets I would mention of people. The wild geese themselves, their families, who we're introduced to almost all of their other yeah. halves and children and whatnot. <coughs> Billy and his family, his father, who lives at home and has dementia, and that's the story in and out about him sort of having, um, being lucid and not lucid at all from time to time, mm-hmm. living in the home with a retired cop, knows the whole story, knows, the, knows about the job with a capital J, um, his so the, his close-knit family unit as well I think we meet Billy's sister and uh, we definitely meet Carmen his wife and and uh, Carmen's brother and his husband mm-hmm. Victor and Richard and then um, and then the whites themselves the, so the whites are again as you heard in the intro the great white whales the criminals who have committed these crimes and they're so we meet all and of got them away and gotten away and it uh, and yeah, and this and, and this uh, you asked of my reaction to the book. I mean, to mm. going back to picking the book off the shelf, which is which is something that happens because I work in the library. I get to just go in and grab. Yeah. <laughs> and I often do on the way out on a Friday. Just hit. Oh my God! I, I'm going to the weekend. I have to have something to read. And I this one opened with Mike's not going to like this, I guess, but <laughs> the. The mayhem of St. Patrick's Day mm. uh, in uh, New York City, which is a, he <coughs> paints it as one of the worst nights that you can have. With um, oh right, I forgot about yes, that. Yes, <laughs> many many drunks, mm. uh, and it goes crashing into this into this scene. And was it Grand Central? Penn Station, actually, it was P- Penn Station. The, the connection between the LARR and like the subway. Right, uh, and uh, there is, and this, and the first person dead. Is, let's see, he's got a name, which I, of course I'm going to have to Banyan. reach for. Ben. Banyan was his last no, name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, anyway, he's he's been st- stabbed, and he's 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 dragged across the he's dragging his blood across the station floor yeah. and so forth. Uh, and Billy recognizes him right off yeah. as uh, as. In this case, the uh, the white of one of his colleagues, right. but uh, who is not there, yeah. uh, and um, it, it does start off with a big bang. Yeah. Uh, so there was uh, it. W- it caught my attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, it does suck you right in. The thing that I really enjoyed about that opening scene, and uh, where I thought gave it a lot of authenticity, is I thought back to a couple cases that I had when I was a, a prosecutor here in town. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that, you know, on TV, if there's a murder victim, you know, we're going to close the whole train system. You know, we're going to have a CSI team out there for two weeks with, yeah. you know, pulleys and cranes and lasers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, you know, we've, we've got rush hour and th- you got an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. We got rush hour coming through. You've got 90 minutes to get this crime scene, get the tapes, get, to get as much blood as you can. 
Get as many drunk witnesses in the room as you can, and let's go. Mm-hmm. But the trains are going to be running again through here in 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a, a great detail. Um, and, I mean, from my experience, that's very accurate in terms of how they do things here. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine in New York City it's either exactly the same, if not yeah. more so, mm-hmm. in terms of maybe they don't give you 90 minutes, maybe they give you 60. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great detail to start you off and, and show some authenticity. Yeah. And I can't, I mean, I because of having no you know, sort of criminal, uh, like solving crimes experience firsthand. I, ca- I can't imagine what else they could have found out in that short amount of time. I mean, maybe er, in more time, with more time, what they more, what more they could have gotten from the scene. Um, well, yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, a lot of times you can't, you yeah. know, a lot of times you're going to get that, you know, that 99% of what you would have gotten mm-hmm. in the 90 minutes, maybe that extra 1%, you know, is still out there, will never be known. Yeah. Especially with, as we learn at the end of this novel, it was done by somebody who knew what they were doing and knew mm-hmm. how to not get caught. So yeah, the other thing I loved about the authenticity of this, and I don't know if, if if you guys feel the same way or if it made it sort of confusing, but I thought this is a, a good point of the book, is um, just how crazy Billy Graves' life was, in terms of all the different things going on, and I also like this book a lot in that it made Billy Graves deal with all these things on a daily basis yeah it's not you know that always Mm. drives me nuts about like cop shows and lawyer shows where they only work on the one case Mm -hmm. during the 60 minute episode or during the book you know i I think it's a lot easier for an author too is like we have a mystery you know like Mm -hmm. sherlock holmes gonna work on this one thing or you know my favorite john sanford Mm -hmm. he sets up an entire universe where the guy just works on one case from Mm -hmm. beginning to the end Mm -hmm. and what i liked about this was this showed um you know, this guy had, you know, here's six cases that we're going to briefly gloss over in a paragraph. And you're going to do the best you can on six of them. And then you're going to go home and you're going to have a kind of crazy wife. Mm. You're going to have these two twins just driving you crazy. You're going to have your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have this crazy stalker. Um, it reminded me a lot of um, the movie Goodfellas in terms of mm-hmm. how accurate that is to, mm-hmm. to real life. Like right before he gets arrested by the movie. feds. You know, he's worried about drugs, he's worried about his mistress, and he's worried about the sauce burning over for his big dinner. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's thinking about. And yeah. I think that's so accurate to what life really is. Yeah. You know, versus just the, you know, kind of the, the linear, you know, this is the investigation. We're going to go one step after the other. Occasionally, you have dinner with your wife to, like, discuss the case and then yeah. go back to the case. I thought that was a really uh, clever way that he did that and worked that in. And I just think, I mean, I don't think a lesser writer could have even attempted I it. I agree. It was so good because you didn't, you didn't lose yourself ever in this book either, mm-hmm. even though there's so many characters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that Banyan murder would be the mystery, but yeah. it was like the tiniest, <laughs> tiniest <laughs> thing <laughs> compared to yeah. what, what we were really learning about. So, um, so well, I, I just wanted, this, this is one of the, for me, it's one of the real n- excellent things about crime novels, which uh, as opposed to the classic detective novels from the 30s or anything like that because mm-hmm. it's they're much more anything goes uh, mm-hmm. you have a you have freedom to roam uh, and Richard Price really does uh, roam mm-hmm. or Harry Brandt excuse me yeah. mm-hmm. so I want to go I want to th- um, maybe this might be the most negative thing that w- any of us are able to muster up about this about the experience of reading this novel um, so I read a bit about, just a tiny bit about why he goes by Harry Brandt. And um, the ec- first of all, I'll start out by saying it turns out, I think Richard Price has 
been quoted as saying he sort of regrets picking that, going with a pen name because people people are like, what the heck is this? It's yeah. Richard Price. But what he was doing was he was trying to open himself up to writing a more plot-driven um, sort of, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say lowbrow-ish uh, crime novel as opposed to, and I haven't read anything else by him, but I think he's like a legit, really, really good um, sort of, Author. He is, but it, he's got a real criminal streak. I mm -hmm. mean, his, his his other books are are there's a lot of crime in them, and are, they're about they do involve low lives. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that this book was markedly different? I guess than um, you know than because that's I think what he thought as he was writing and as in he made a way, the decision. I thought it was better because mm. it was because it is a more rambunctious mm -hmm. uh, and um, and it is plot driven. Uh, which let's see the profoundly weird Joyce Carol Oates, I think. <laughs> thing, um, I got uh, she. By the way, I should I get give her give ourselves a plug here. She was our uh, Niehoff lecturer uh, probably 15 years ago, mm. uh, and I had I, I, I when I say profoundly weird, it's from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, um, <laughs> But she she gave this a, a pretty good review in the New Yorker, uh, mm. and God knows where I was going with this. I think she thought it was a little muddled. Okay. Yeah, which she has room a lot of room to talk. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> was she comparing it to his other works, or was um, she just saying in general it's muddled? She says as a Harry Brandt novel, The Whites is more of a policier, uh, uh, not a French word that we use easily around here, <laughs> <The> more, <laughs> more of a policier than Price's previous fiction, more plot-driven and less deeply engaged by the anthropology of its urban communities. Mm. Uh, although there's a hell of a lot of anthropology in this. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. just in the households of all these people. Yeah. And they're, yeah. so. Yeah. So, yeah, it, so it, ma it makes me think about, um, the pretension of of uh, writing <laughs> and how Why? Um, Why? <laughs> and how I think I think he I think he would say I don't know I, there's a our listeners can look up the New York Times uh, article I don't even think it's a review of this book but it's an article about perhaps him and he talks about like now I feel silly for having um, having gone with this pen name because what I was trying to do it reminds me of like Jonathan Franzen not wanting to be on Oprah's book list. Do you remember that years I ago when that happened? That. You know, what a silly Because he's a, he's a good writer, and he's like, I'm a good writer. I don't want to be on Oprah's book list. And she's like, but then people will buy your books. <laughs> so um, whether you want people to buy the books or you be good, <laughs> that's, those are the choices. So, um, and th there are some things in the book, actually, before I had even read this New York Times little excerpt, um, I thought it was funny. I don't This might be my own snobbishness, for sure, coming out, but... The, do, do you remember there's a point in the book when gravity's rainbow is referenced for very little reason it felt like it felt like the uh, like richard price was trying to mention that he knows about this book gravity's rainbow and definitely the character was saying i know about this book gravity's rainbow oh i know yeah. what it was it was a dorm it was a dorm it was a student who yasmin was busting for dealing, being a dealer yes <laughs> i remember and she exactly had ripped out the inside of gravity's rainbow yes <laughs> and put uh, drugs in it <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was sort of a non sequitur mention of like. What a nice touch, I think. A super yes. high brow, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, so much for gravity's rainbow. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, uh, 
uh, the New Yorker, I should say that New Yorker got Joyce Carol Oates to review this. And then when I mm. w- went looking for um, to bone up for this podcast, I uh, looked up reviews and started reading the, the New York Times review without reading who wrote it. And it was by somebody who just clearly was nuts for it, and and went in all the right ways. I mean, I thought he was, and it turned out to be Michael Connolly. Uh, oh who, yeah. Yeah. Who is? Oh, did he write the review? He wrote the review, uh-huh. and uh, and I think it's, uh, I think it is a case of, salesmen. I I I have always heard that salesmen are their own best customers. Uh-huh. I mean, that's who salesmen like best, or who gets most taken in by salesmen. Uh-huh. And, and Michael Connolly got totally sucked <laughs> in by. Uh, the Harry Brandt book. That's great. Yeah, That's it's, great. it's worth reading on its own. So um, I'd like to get into some of that anthropology stuff um, and just get both of your general thoughts about guilt and what the theme of guilt in this book, um, you know, general thoughts, and I, I have some specifics sort of. Well, generally guilt is bad. Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> but what does it lead one to do and what does it, uh, I think Carmen, you know, like Carmen's life is totally overcome. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. By by guilt, and then I think the, co- the the white the wild geese. It's a it's a what I, I would describe that as guilt. They have guilt for having at least I would say definitely Yasmin. The other ones might just be mad at the system, but in Yasmin's case, she um, she screwed up the the uh, she screwed up the investigation. You mm-hmm. might remember the details. Yes, she um, was going to get a cell phone, which would have, you know, probably nailed the guy. And uh, and th- this is probably a little bit off because she probably c- could have held on to the cell phone because she was there, and she should have held on to the cell phone. Can you say what do you mean? Well, what? if you're the cop and you, yep. there's a thing. There's actually a thing in the law called Scribner's Error, uh-huh. where and the classic one is I went to I, I wrote down 81 Main Street. I meant 83 Main Street mm-hmm. on the search warrant. But, you know, we described everything else about the house right. We just transposed the two numbers or put a wrong digit in there. Generally, if it's an innocent mistake, you know, it's not going to, uh, the judge is not going to punish the police officer by suppressing the evidence. That's the punishment, is you suppress the evidence, you keep it from coming in. Um, so uh, for something as, you know, they, they, the reason they do that is to deter bad police conduct you know, like lying on the search warrant mm-hmm. or just going in without a search warrant. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to suppress that. We're not going to allow you to use it in trial mm-hmm. uh, so that you will not do that again in the future. You know, in other countries, actually, you know, like they can lock up the officer or fine the officer or mm-hmm. something like that. But here they suppress it. So I think uh, you know, that's one thing that I think was a bit off. I think in most cases, a cop who did that would not have left there empty-handed and said, like, well, I'm going to go back and get a search warrant and get this judge to sign it in two hours. Mm-hmm. They would have just taken the phone and then said, well, what the prosecutor worry about that six, from six months from now in a suppression hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe with a, you know, and you'd probably maybe plead a case before the suppression hearing, but you'd also, frankly, probably win mm-hmm. on a, you know, kind of a mild air like that. So maybe she's feeling even more guilty, though, because she was, you know, trying to do it perfectly. And then she left, and then obviously this piece of evidence that she left behind was going to be be- was going to be gone when she got back, mm. of course. Mm-hmm. So I think most officers, though, would have just taken the phone mm-hmm. and then just thought to themselves, like, let the prosecutor and the judge worry about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I got the guy. So I thought that was a little that was one detail. Now that I think about it, that, w- that did bug me a little interesting, bit. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, but back to what you were saying, yeah. in terms of uh, guilt, um, I, d- I think there's two things going on in this in in this book that you really have to define. The one is obviously the guilt, and they all have strong emotions of guilt. 
the most pure is the wife. You mm-hmm. know, who literally just because she was upset about a you know a, a teenage snub. So just maybe you, if you want to describe the snub, oh, sure. we, and we only find so out at the very bitter end. Yeah. So yeah, huge vi- spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> just to, and again, if you haven't read the book, stop now. <laughs> so uh, with the, uh, the what's the wife's name? I'm Carmen. Carmen. So Carmen, 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 Billy's wife, back when she was a 15-year-old to kind of set this whole thing in process and where the book comes around in full circle, uh, she had a crush on the boy upstairs, the boy who happened to be Milton's brother. And uh, she... Uh, made like an awkward pass at him at school and he you know didn't really say anything mean but he kind of made fun of her and then looked at his friends to get a little chuckle and that was it Mm -hmm. you know it happens a hundred times in every high school in America Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. and that afternoon she goes home and two uh, you know frankly heavy hitters you know come to the door and they ask you know what apartment is the is the apartment drug dealer living in Mm -hmm. And as opposed to, you know, there she's sitting there on, this on the front stoop of this, you know, I picture like a three-story mm-hmm. Brooklyn brownstone walk-up. Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't say the apartment of where the drug dealer lives. She says the apartment of where the boy that she had the crush on mm-hmm. lives. Whose name was Rudy, I believe. I believe you're little right. Little yeah. Man yeah, was little his man. nickname. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, these guys go up and they frankly kill the wrong guy. And it was all because of this one, you know, this instant, this throwaway line that she said you know, because she was mad at him, you know, for something that happened either earlier that day mm-hmm. or earlier that week. She sends the drug dealers to go, and uh, and they go up and they kill him. Mm-hmm. And then Milton, who I'm, of course, the most sympathetic yes. with, uh, Milton then goes and, and kills those guys, <laughs> I think. Uh, he does, yeah, is he, he the does. killer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he gives yeah, them the baseball bat. Yeah, he and Edgar's his brother. So Edgar kill kills her. And yeah. then it all comes, you know, full circle, mm-hmm. and Edgar eventually figures out, you know, years and years later, and he then starts to stalk the family. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of his process of, is he going to, go all the way, knowing everything he'd lose, and really most to think about his daughter yeah. in terms of losing that and the fact that he's willing to. Yeah. And that's the other side of the guilt is I think what the characters struggle with is she's got like a pure guilt that's just guilt and there's nothing she can do about it. Mm. You know, she in a sense killed that kid. What the others have is a guilt and then also on the flip side of it is this sense of justice. Yeah. And their pursuit of justice and how dark a path it takes them down and what horrible things they're willing to do to kind of uh, fulfill their sense of justice mm-hmm. that's I guess you know kind of fueled by their guilt mm-hmm. and then you know you have the the whole spectrum uh, you know Billy is no angel mm-hmm. in terms of what he does when he's pursuing you know his white mm-hmm. uh, not at all I mean mm-hmm. he's picking on a guy who's laid up in the hospital he went to his wedding Right. And made right. a scene at his wedding. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, he has stalked this guy and done all types of horrible things. And then you've got the, the spectrum of the other officers mm-hmm. getting gradually much, much, much worse. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the worst, which is Milton, in terms of what he would do for mm-hmm. his sense of justice. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, you know, to see. And then I think it kind of comes back to what the whole book was about. It wasn't the suspense of who was stalking Billy's family. At the end of the day, it was, you know, is Milton going to kill him? Right. And then in terms of justice... What's Billy going to do, mm-hmm. you know, to his friends who've then gone on right. and done all these horrible things? You know, is he going to turn them in or is he going to turn, you know, a blind eye to it mm-hmm. and think justice happened, you know, even though they, what, they killed four people? <laughs> at, right. the of, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, yeah. they killed four people and he lets them walk on Murdered. Them. Yeah. Like straight up murdered. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I think about the perpetrate, you know, the, the whites, the thing that bothers the our wild geese about their whites is that the whites don't have the appropriate amount of guilt. They don't live with guilt every night about the 
heinous crimes mm -hmm. that they committed. And so they, in the end, again, spoiler alert, the whites go on this, or uh, I'm sorry, the wild geese go on this little murderous, highly calculated well, murder. conspired. It, yes. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. That, that it, it, and this is spoiling the whole thing, but yeah. it leaves Billy out. I mean, yeah. the mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that this is, he has to sort all through this. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, but I have, I, I, oddly enough, I'm with Joyce Carol Oates on this, and that I had a harder time maybe with Carmen, who had, by the time it was explained, clear reason for her guilt, and it was sad that she had lived with it all these years. Um, and I probably found that one of the least believable things in it, that, I mean, that it was as continuing to motivate her in such a, I mean, she was, she would, didn't she go and almost have spells? She, I mean, she did. She would lock herself in the bedroom for months. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then Billy would have to take care of the family. And I'm, I'm not sure that I found that as convincing as some of the other stuff, which is probably in real life less convincing. Uh -huh. uh, so you felt like what she did was not, wouldn't have caused <laughs> such guilt? Is that what you mean? No, I mean, it obviously caused that much guilt with her. Mm -hmm. She was, she, um, but I, I just, I, I guess the whole situation, uh, and it was, uh, by the way, it is, it was uh, part of one of the many coincidences in this book, which is interesting. This is New York City and it's got, but it's like a little village where everybody, is involved at uh, different points of time. Yeah. Uh, all you know, they, they all seem to know each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. True. Uh, but I, so there's a windy way of saying I found Carmen a little less believable than the rest of the uh, wild book. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So Car yeah, and Carmen's as background. Carmen's story is yeah that she this this incident on the on the stairwell, which, by the way, that description of high, high school, it's like three pages at the very end of the book, description of high school angst and a high school crush mm -hmm. is just like, just this guy, <laughs> is a, it's a pul it's a, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing writing and yeah. just and you, such a great description. You're so right. There's like 10 passages in there, yeah. you know, that are just so perfectly nailed, like Absolutely. some little thing you don't expect it, you know, yeah. uh, it's just so perfect. Yeah. And so, yeah, this thing that she had done essentially, yeah, affects her whole entire life. And she yeah. ends up this, you know, less than two seconds of her life affects her entire life. And she's riddled with guilt and kind of, yeah, driven crazy uh, in a way, yeah. like driven crazy. By this, by a death that she caused, but so yeah, I mean, I think in Billy, at the end of the novel, he he, at the last quarter of the novel, it becomes clear to Billy. And I, by the way, I love the kinds of crime fiction where I, th I, this book would have irritated me to no end if we didn't know, we as the reader didn't know that it was Milton who was tormenting um, Billy's oh, yeah. family. Yeah. I, I loved that. I like. So Milton, we you know Mil Billy's family starts getting tormented, and we find out that it's Milton. We know right away that it's mm -hmm. Milton who's doing it right away from the beginning. The thing that's slowly revealed to us is precisely why he's doing it. Yeah. And then, so that's that's I love that. It's like an aspect of it is is being slowly revealed to us. So there's still a reason to be, you know, anxiously turning pages. Mm -hmm. But it's not because you want to know who who a person is. We know who he is. But. Um, so yeah, at, at the end, Billy figures out again that his 
his friends have all, his old wild geese buddies have all conspired together to calculatedly murder their whites. And we haven't talked at all about this. Part of the reason, I didn't really get this part. This is, maybe this is my most un, not believable part of the novel to me is, it was somehow because Pavlicek, one of the characters who was this super wealthy land, bar, you know, apartment building baron in Manhattan and all over New York, um, had, uh, who had led, had all this tragic tragedy in his personal life, had a son, a, a young adult son who'd just been diagnosed with leukemia mm -hmm. and was going to die. Yeah. And for some reason that was the, is that right? Am I missing that? That I felt like that was the reason they were all killing all the whites. Like he didn't, he didn't want to leave the world. I didn't get, there was a discussion between Billy and Pavlicek about that and I didn't really understand it. Do you remember? Um, I, I don't remember, <coughs> but um, I, I don't think it's necessary to remember to, to deal with the whole conspiracy. I mean, the, the mm -hmm. that, and this is, this is spoiling the essence of the book, uh -huh. is that they all uh, agree to, to murder somebody, uh, murder the other guy's white. Right, mm -hmm. right. That's, that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, I remember a, a little bit that it was a discussion between Billy and Pavlicek about, I, I think it actually got, you know, back to like, you know, God in terms of, you know, how can this be right in terms of, you know, this kid has to die this horrible yeah. you know, death at 18 and a half years old, or 19 years old, yeah. you know, from cancer. Uh, and these, you know, four or five people are still walking the face of the earth. Yeah. Like in the, the, dip, the, I think in a way they said, the fact that these people were still alive when he only has two or three months to live was kind of the motivating factor of why they started. Yeah, that's what And I, I agree with you a little bit there. That is, um, yeah, that, the way they set that up is a little unusual, I'd say. Yeah. And maybe, I, I took Pavlicek too as like, and I'm not getting his name right, right? Pavlicek. Yeah, I think so. That's how as I said this, it. Um, <laughs> just this alpha male character yeah. of, you know, super hard-charging detective, yeah. as big as his own zip code. I think he played college football right. and stuff like that. And then he was a great detective. And then he made thirty million dollars right. just going in and buying a crack house for five thousand bucks in New York City, yeah. and just you know just through sheer will of you know being mm. a cop and then fixing up the places himself would evict all the crackheads, fix the place up, and then flip it for hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars, yeah. and, and that's how he made his fortune. And I I wonder if you know it's almost like a movie when you're like oh I wonder if this was ten minutes longer if they would have something else in. I wonder if maybe Pavlicek had more of a force of personality that they could have, he could have put a little bit more into the novel of why these guys, especially, you know, if you're out of the force for five to 10 years, you get together every, you know, couple months for a drink at most, mm -hmm. you know, why he'd still have this pull over the, these people. To get him to go murder people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought Pavlicek's speech, that's why I wonder if there was maybe a little more about Pavlicek up front that somehow ended up on the cutting room floor. Mm. I don't know if you remember the funeral, but man, his speech at the uh, funeral was yeah. really jarring yeah, as well. Yeah, it was. I do uh, remember. You know, it, yeah. Basically, he just he curses God. Yeah, he does. You know, in he's no like, uncertain yeah. terms. He's like, I don't know if you expect it, this to be honoring his life, but instead, it's like I'm saying fuck you to God mm -hmm. for, for killing him, which I can, it's like, I, don't know, I empathize with that. Like the kid was young, but so I always wanted to say this in my life. Can we curse? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. All right, thanks. Always I'm not on HBO, but <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. So. We'll cut it out. <laughs> no, um, no, keep, keep it <laughs> so I, I think we're, we're drawing to an end, but I think one, again, going back to the guilt thing, what I think Billy has to grapple with at the end is the choice between two bad things. How will he feel about 
not putting his friends in the system of which you were actively a part of, the si into the system to suffer the consequences of their crimes, because they've all his friends have all right. murdered people, according to the sense of the word murder, they've murdered people. <laughs> um, he did not. Billy is the only exempt one. So there's some reason that he he they decided to exempt him from the whole even discussion. They left him out. I don't know if you. I don't know why. That's an, that's something I'd love to know more about why that was the case. I think the easiest way would be just because he was still a police officer. Right. Oh, he was that's still it. On. That's it. Yeah. You're right. That's but it. But you know, I don't know. I mean, that's another. That's a good question too yeah. in terms of why they cut him out. Yeah. So he. You see him sort of. At the end of the novel, he walks down the path of beginning. He is, he, go, he actually, in fact, goes to all three of them. Three of three of them, not Pavlicek, because he's literally watching his son die in the hospital. He doesn't have the heart to say it to him. But to the other three, he says, "Lawyer up! You have a week to lawyer up. I'm I'm busting you. I'm going to put you in the system for having committed these murders, even though these people are bad." And then he, then Milton comes and almost kills, like holds him and his family hostage in the house in these super tense moments, and then Milton commits suicide by cop by running out the door with a gun that doesn't even work. Tragic. <coughs> and so what Billy needs to deal with, and this is what Milton needs to deal with, and this is what Carmen is already dealing with, and the wild geese deal with, is whether or not com bringing about justice upon people would bring upon more guilt into your mind than, than not bringing upon, bringing like, the justice of the system of on the people. Mm -hmm. So it's about like whether or not the system exacts the right amount of justice, I guess. Well, what I think on, <laughs> uh, on that, and, and I, I wonder whether Billy's going to come back for another book, by the way, mm. uh, is, that, um, Hope so. is that Aeschylus and Sophocles and Euripides would all say, what are you worrying about? <laughs> this, you know, these people, this, this, this is all good stuff that they did. They, they brought about justice. Yes, they brought about justice. Mm -hmm. and, um, not within the system, Since I'm correctly. not a cop, I get to feel like that. that yeah, yeah, uh, and I don't think any of the wild geese feel guilt about their murders. Right. Right? I don't think they do. No, they They don't. feel worried about being going to jail. A little bit, yes. But they yeah. don't feel guilt at all. They no. Pavlicek specifically feels good. Maybe they feel even good about it. Mm -hmm. um, have you guys recently read, or do you remember, there's a book and a movie called uh, Gone, Baby Gone? Yes. It was written by Daniel Lehane, and they made a movie with, uh -huh. um, with Casey Affleck. Yeah, I saw the movie. Okay. Yeah. I thought about this. As this book was winding down, and they were talking about, you know, you know and his wife would just say, like, well, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to turn him in? You're not yeah. going to turn him in. I thought about... The ending scene of Gone Baby Gone, where he tracks down the girl, the the kidnapped little girl, mm -hmm. and he, she's got this horrible, you know, drug addict, you know, you know, part time prostitute of a mother, who's going to be a terrible mother to her, and you just know it, and that's her natural mother, that's who this girl belongs with mm -hmm. by law, and I for, I think he even tracks down to another state, a nearby state, yeah. he drives there, and he's walking up the driveway. And he sees this girl in this idyllic suburban mm. scene with two loving parents. And he's faced with the same decision. And he decides to give the girl back to, and, you know, and, and follow the rule of law and give it back to the horrible mom. Mm -hmm. And I hated that. Mm -hmm. I've always hated that. They've written subsequent books about that guy, Lahane has. And even Lahane, 10 years later, like he acknowledges it was a mistake. They mm. even have a book where he acknowledges it was a mistake. Wow. But it's played, in the movie they even play it as like, eh, difficult choice, but he made the right decision. Good He's a decision. strong character. Yeah. But I always hated it, and I thought like, no, he, he just, it's inarguable. Wrong he choice. just yeah. made the wrong choice. Yeah. 
you know, for like, you know, a technicality, he ruined this poor young girl's life. She's going to grow up, you know, with a, you know, drug addict mom, you know, probably being sexually molested. God Mm -hmm. knows what else is going to happen to her. Mm -hmm. And you put her back into this hell for the next 15 Mm -hmm. years of her life, if she's lucky. Maybe she gets out, maybe she doesn't. This one I thought was a lot closer. (laughs) This one (laughs) I had a lot more trouble with. Uh Because I was, I wish I had a little more faith in the detectives, but I kept thinking like, are you sure you got the right guys? Yeah, right. I mean, they kind of make it seem like it's a a no-brainer on all of them, Mm -hmm. but like especially Billy's, I was like, are you sure? Like, you know, the guy might, not he might not have done it. You just mm. never know. Mm-hmm. You know, you so don't really I have feel bad because I didn't worry that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a couple of those they really didn't develop what the whites. You know how guilty they were. Yeah. You know, yeah. one was like a neighbor who was like a creepy kid. Right. There's a lot of creepy people. Yeah. You know, I was like, uh, I'd like to see the whole case file. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. maybe something else out there. Yeah. I thought it was a lot closer call uh-huh. on this one uh-huh. than Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. You know, in terms of the decision of you know kind of following the rule of law or yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah, and there's so a different. there's a big scene. We'll bring it to a close in just a couple minutes, but there's a big scene where where Billy, our our hero, um, is faced with by uh, this lovely favor that Pavlicek has done for him of capturing and hog tying his white, and he gives lets him decide whether to kill him. Just here's your room in my big, huge, empty, vast apartment building. No one's around. No one knows I got this guy. What are you gonna do? And we we get to experience his, you know torture him, torture him a little more, bring him real close to death to the point that he literally, the guy literally shits his pants, excuse me, um, and his victim <laughs> at that point, and he's about to die. He's close to death, like nice gory description <laughs> of what will happen mm-hmm. in those bare minutes. And he decides, no, he, ri- he takes, there's a little, it's such, again, such great writing. You don't know exactly what happens, but a couple yeah. seconds later, it's a little break and he's run, mm-hmm. cur- Taft is uh, hobbling down the street, having been, you know, his pride and physical body was greatly hurt. And I, I felt like that was the right decision. I was like, don't kill him. I was wanting him not to kill him at that point. So mm-hmm. I don't, did, did you want him to kill him, Albert? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I have no Greek peasant in my past, but the Greek peasant, if I did have Greek women, I would, I would say, yes, Just kill him. Kill him. <laughs> kill him. What's, what's, what's taking so long? <laughs> but that's, of course, part of the interesting, you know, that's one of the reasons the book is so interesting. Yeah. It's full of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't need. I, and, and I, I don't think you even need the spoiler alerts. I think you can go back and enjoy this book, all the way, all the way through. Yeah, uh, maybe you might be even more interested in, yeah. in it after you know all the stuff that's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. a good. It's a great book. I'm Gabby. Thanks so much for um, listening. I'm Albert. I'm glad <laughs> the library is doing this. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm Mike O'Neill, and I, uh, I thank you for having me, and I, I do highly recommend this book. It's yeah. definitely worth a good read. Uh, likewise, and thank you both for joining us. Mm-hmm.